It's Dan, not Matt, as you may have guessed by the difference in our voices. I am taking over the podcast along with my lovely co-host, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And we are going to be running the show for the next couple of weeks while Matt is off in Viking territory taking a cruise. I think it's on a modern ship. I don't think he rented a longboat or anything, but he is on his honeymoon doing what people do on their honeymoons, and I don't want to start the show thinking about that because that's my brother and that's weird. So, yeah, we're going to just jump right into things. You know all our social media stuff. We'll go through it at the end. But Tiff and I are going to do, instead of a news episode this week, I think we're just going to do a full episode because why not? Let's be rebels. So we're going to go talk about a little bit of what we've been playing because I haven't talked to you guys in a while and I've played a bunch of games and Tiff's played like one. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Dan. Thanks. I've missed you guys. And then we're going to get into our top of the stack. Uh, Matt's not here, so he's going to get stuck with a really meaty euro stack that I can get played. And Tiff and I will talk about what we did and didn't play from our last time. Spoiler, mine was good. And then Tiff and I are going to get into our Gen Con lists that don't really have a title to them. Just games that we're going to look at, fawn over, play, buy, etc. So you heard Matt's list last week. Now you're getting the list of the people that will be at Gen Con and hopefully be able to report on this stuff in the next episode. So let's jump into it. Tiff, do you want to go first? Well, I can go first because there's only one game that I have to talk about. Excellent. And it's Back to the Future. So I I finally, it was on my top of the stack, spoiler alert. So I finally got to play it and... It's kind of a role selection card game. You get to select one of the characters from Back to the Future. They have an ability. Then you move a DeLorean around the different time periods. You're trying to kind of set collect things. The cards are all multi-use, so it has a character. It has how many victory points it's worth. It has a certain, what do they call that? It's like a flux capacitor that shows the the power power on it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you need a certain combination of characters and, and things to... To complete an event. So you're trying to travel around and get all these things. There are some rules that make you travel around and some benefits to being in, you know, a different time period at the end of the round. But bottom line, it's kind of set collection role selection. Does that make sense? Am I good? It does. Yes, I can confirm that is basically the game. Yeah. So I played it with my group for the first time. It was a mixed bag of reactions because it's... For me, it wasn't as thematic as maybe I was hoping. I kind of knew going into it with Matt Riddle and Ben Pinchback being the uh, designers that it would be a sort of mechanics first design and it very much feels that way. Yes, there's zero theme in this game. We did have like some discussion on it when we were playing it because my buddy Kyle's like, it's thematic. I mean, you're going through the time periods, you're interacting with the characters. It makes sense thematically. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I mean, I I don't ever go into, obviously we know Matt and Ben uh, pretty well. I don't ever go into one of their games going, yeah, here comes the theme. Um, <laughs> like, no. I know it's not going to be dripping from that faucet. But I wonder if, like, I had just preconceptions that it wasn't going to be thematic, and, and therefore I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't thematic, because the people in my game group who don't know Matt and Ben thought that it was kind of thematic. Well, I mean, you see the box. It's got a great little shelf appeal to it, especially for a fan, because, I, I mean, a lot of people, some people love the IDW comic art. Some people hate it. I personally thought it was great. I really liked it. Oh, I love it. Um, 
I could see the theme, like, yeah, like you said, you're you're selecting your role, which is one of, like, the six main characters in the game, and then you're moving the DeLorean through the three time periods, what is it, 55, 85, 2015, are those yes, the three periods? you don't get to be a cowboy in this one, which is a sad disappointment No, but you, me. I mean, if you're dying to, you could dress up at the table like a cowboy, I mean, it's, no one's stopping you, you can wear some spurs, right. some assless chaps, and then just get your hand management game on. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's... I'll have to work on that. Yeah, set the ambiance, right? Um, And then, like, the events. So, like, the events, yeah, like you said, they're set collection. But they're, I mean, I guess they're going for, quote, events in time, in that time period. You need these three people in this time period to, like, I could see, like, what they're going for thematically. I just think when it got down to it, like, once I started playing, that just fell away for me. Like, I just started playing a hand management game. Right. I feel the same way. I didn't... I was not putting myself into the movie while I was playing it. And there are some things that sort of take you out of it. Like, you have to have a character in each time period in order to complete a event. Wow, okay. We played that wrong, too. Oh. It makes the game pretty hard, I thought. Because, like, I was yeah. spending a lot of time going around trying to make sure I had a character in each thing. And the thing about the time periods is depending on which one you end your turn on is how many cards you get to draw at the end of the round yes and that's, so and that's you really huge. want to end in 2015 but if you have to have a character in 1955 you're not going to get to draw a lot of cards and it's kind of important to have a lot of cards in your hand it's in this game it's pretty huge and and cards are tight they're real tight like the only way outside of drawing them with 2015 is i think through the george character i think that was the only other way to get a card if i remember correctly you can steal a card with biff oh yeah and steal one with biff yeah so yeah but a pure draw was just yeah george or the 2015 and that biff just seems so mean when the cards are so tight (laughs) he is i know we when we first played like because we were just dabbling with it like it was just me and my buddy we played a two-player game and we kind of like had this like unwritten rule that neither of us would really select biff unless we just needed to him to play the character card and we weren't stealing because we we're just trying to feel the system out etc oh that's so sweet no but it's like that a lot of times we like did that, not do that yeah that we were biffing all over the place yeah see i, I find that like when those element like i don't personally like those kind of elements in games like the steal one from like we just played guild hall recently and it was like 25 <laughs> freaking minutes of take a card in front of you take a card out of my hand i'm gonna take that card and it's like by the time i got to my back to my turn i didn't have my tableau or my hand of cards anymore i was like all right that was cool um so you know i i don't like those cards usually to begin with but like i said to feel out the system a first play we said let's just let's see what let's see what the game's got without stealing from each other and it might add an element that you know is needed in some capacity or some flux capacitor hey um dan's got jokes i it's early in the morning i come strong yeah so yeah i I understand that but yeah cards are super tight yeah cards are super tight and i mean part of that is if you plan things right you can get some really big satisfying turns and i did have that happen a couple of times in the game i'm like yeah doing all this stuff but it took a long time to get there and it felt a little bit like a slog to get there i'm not gonna lie about it yeah the first the first couple turns were a churn like it was just like a it was just a grind to get through those first couple of turns get a hand of cards built up get some characters down but once it got going i yeah it it started to flow a little bit more and we really started getting a good pace to the game I think I'm starting to get old and needing player aids for everything now. Like, every time I play a game that doesn't have a player aid, I'm like, you know what this could use? 
<laughs> yeah, I've heard you say because that a couple I, times in the last couple of weeks. I, you know, I hit 30 and my memory just went out the door. I can't remember anything. And I, it wasn't just me. My game group, we kept on passing the rule book around to remind ourselves of all the different things you have to do. And you're supposed to take a clock tower token if you don't play a character. Yeah. And we kept forgetting that. I just need a reminder. They could have put that on the board or something. There was I a, don't know. There was a couple of things I thought. I thought the overall graphic design was extremely lacking. I found it. I found the cards to be just, I, they just weren't in two. I don't know. Some of the things. like, And they didn't jive with the rule book. I don't know if you noticed, but like in the rule book, it says the character symbol. And there's no symbols on the cards. It's just the words Marty and Doc. And that, that that confused me at first. And then like you had the time symbols and you had the flux capacitors. And just for, for multi-use cards, you really need a solid layout, I think, to kind of make it make sense and the card be presentable. And uh, they just jumbled everything on the bottom of the card. And it was just, it wasn't very elegant, I guess, the, the graphic design. It just, I thought it was... It was too jumbled. It was too thrown in the bottom there. It just threw me I off. I would agree with that. It's a little jumbled. There are a lot of things that you have to remember what they mean. There's like a clock and then there's like a symbol for the year that you can play the card in. Mm-hmm. And there's they have some things on there that maybe don't need to be on there. Like every card has this little speedometer symbol on it. It means nothing for the game. It's just cool i don't know well in the speedometer at the bottom confused by it aren't those victory points the green ones at the bottom oh those yeah but like next to i'm talking about up on top uh of the character name there's like a little rectangular speedometer symbol next to the clocks yeah i don't see that it's used in the game in any way it's the same on every card as far as i can tell so it just it was confusing like am i what is this for? Should I, I be paying attention to this? Yeah. I would have just like, like I said, spread it out a little bit. Like, so when, you know, a lot of really good card games that are multi-use, like when you splay your cards, you know, there's some readily available information just right there. And if you want to dig further into the card, you just look at it. But I really like that kind of quick hit. What am I looking at a little bit here? What am I looking at here? Knowing where it is, but it just like spread I said, around the yeah, card. It was yeah. just, it was all just thrown in the bottom and that really annoyed me, but yeah, it happens. There are a couple little, like, things that I felt like could have been, like, Jennifer. The character Jennifer lets you do any role, right? Doesn't say that on her role card. <laughs> yeah, the, some of the role cards were lacking. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it took, we didn't miss it completely, but we almost did. Just because it wasn't on the card for some reason. There's room for it. They're big, like, cardboard tiley things so i'm not sure why that wasn't there so let's talk gameplay then so this was a game that i played i've only played once so this is like a first impression and i played it incorrectly throughout we caught ourselves because and that's the fault of the rule book in my opinion i mean i've played many a game so i know like and i've played many hand management games but the rule book was very lacking in a lot of areas and not as clear and just a little just the way it was laid out as well so as we were playing the game we like caught ourselves doing a couple things wrong so we at by the end of the game we were playing it correctly but you know in the middle and at the beginning there's a couple things we we're doing wrong here a couple things we we're doing wrong there like i said the rule book uh we talked we've talked we both talked to matt and apparently the the second edition rule book is going to be much better um it should clarify a lot of things which is a it's it's a big deal for me so hopefully they get yeah. that taken care of but I thought gameplay overall was, like I said, if you're looking for a Back to the Future experience, I'm not sure this is 
like the game for you. Go like, elsewhere. Yeah, you're not going to find like a, a glorified like travel through time. This is a very tight, very compact hand management game. And if you like that, I think you can find what you're looking for in this game. It's not horribly expensive. I think it's like, what, 30 bucks retail or something like that? 35 I got mine for... 24 24 that's like a small box card game in a bigger box i think i think you can the find art is great yeah the art's great i think you can find a, a solid 20 25 worth of gameplay in this the biggest thing i think that's been rumored to have let people down it, again it didn't let me down at all because i'm not the huge back to the future nut as some people are but there's the theme is not gonna really draw you in other than no. looking at the cool art and the other suggestion that i have is there's an a side and a b side of all the cards. Play the B-side. Play the B-side. The B-side just makes some things easier. We played the A-side and it was a very, it was harder. It was just a lot harder. And I think if you start, at least start with the B-side, you'll have a better time. Well, the B-side, I could see the B-side being slightly more challenging the A-side because you're playing. So what the B-side does is the on the event cards, there's a an action. And that action, when that event is on the top of the stack in that in the three time periods, that action applies to the players when they travel to that spot. And there's some of them that actually are, are pretty restrictive. So one of them I remember we played was like when the car ends in 2015, it goes automatically back to 1955. There's there's some some really like twisty but little reading variants. over them. No, they're not. I hard. think a lot of them help you out. Some of them do, like I said, some of them just make gameplay a little bit more restrictive. So depending on how they come out, which ones you choose, because that's variable every game, you can, you'll can you get a different experience that way. Like, I think they help you out. Like, 1955 is a hard year to be in, in general. And so, like, the 1955 event effects that are on those cards help you out. Like, all characters cost minus two time. Like, they're, they're, they're more helpful in the harder to deal with time period does that make sense sure okay yeah. <laughs> like I, I mean we just hated 1955 the whole entire time we we're playing the game well I mean, and i think if you had to looking live in 1955 wouldn't you hate it too no i'm kidding probably <laughs> i'd be making a sandwich just like i always do dan nothing would be different in my life yep. my mom wasn't even born in 1955 <laughs> mine either yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> um so for me bottom line is this is this is a try before you buy I think for sure. If you're looking for a hand management game, I think you can find something to enjoy here. If you're looking for a back to the future experience, I think you're going to have to look elsewhere. Totally agree. It's a like I said, it's a it's an interesting use multi-use card game, very tight economy as far as the cards are concerned, and it'll 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 burn your brain at times, which is is a good thing. Yeah, and I think that was the thing that was just sort of surprising to my group. They ex they went in expecting it to be this thematic card game, even though I was like, guys, that's not what it's going to be. Uh, it just can be deceptive because of the, all the cool artwork and the theme that you're expecting. If you go in expecting a tight hand management game, you you might really love this. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I want to play it some more with the B-sides. We played A-sides, and I think that was our big mistake. Yeah, leave the A-sides alone. I think it would be more interesting. Go B. Go B or go home. So what have you been playing, Dan? Uh I've played I played some. Um 
I won't. You've played a lot. I've played. I mean, you've played a lot. I've missed three weeks, but I've I've, I've probably played like eight games or so, which I guess I is a lot. I was watching Twitter last night. It was like, Bing, this game, Bing, this game. Yeah, we had a good game night last night. Um, but I guess the first one I'll talk about is uh, Vast, the Crystal Cavern, Caverns. Sorry, and this is from uh, Patrick Leader at Leader Games and David Somerville, who is a local guy. Yay, DC. Um, this used to be, this was kickstarted as Trove, the Crystal Caverns, but I believe they ran into some naming issues, so they, they had a contest to rename it, and it wound up being Vast, V-A-S-T. Uh, this game is, I think, just now shipping to backers. We had a review copy sent to us. Um, it's going to debut at Gen Con, um, so I'm going to just say right now, you should definitely check this out. It's a really cool concept, and I, I really enjoyed the execution uh, and the gameplay of it, but just to give you a little more, so this is this is about as asymmetric a game as you will ever find. <laughs> um, basically, it's a dungeon crawling game, but there are it plays one to five players, and there are five different roles that you can play in various combinations, however you see fit. You can play the knight, you can play the goblin tribes. You can play the dragon, you can play the thief, or you can play the cave itself that you're exploring, which is a really cool thing. I love that. Um, And again, every role has a different set of mechanics which they're trying to fulfill to get their goal. So the goal is, so the knight is trying to kill the... uh, the knight is trying to kill the dragon. The dragon is trying to wake up and escape the cave. The goblins are trying to kill the knight. The thief is just running around annoying everyone. And then the cave is trying to expand and then collapse on everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone has a different role. And it was it was so cool to see how, while everyone's doing something completely different, the, the natural tendency for everyone to kind of intertwine, like the <laughs> what they're trying to do. Like, because I was like, when we played yesterday i was trying to kill smee because smee was the knight but ben was trying to like poke at smee a little bit and smee was trying to poke at Ben. like it was just this like there was no king making in this game <laughs> let's say that like just the way everything kind of interconnected um was really cool to see but as i mentioned like everyone's playing a different game so on your turn like for instance the dragon the dragon is um dragon is playing kind of like a i don't even know so you're drawing cards and you're playing these cards um to take your action so each on each of these cards there's symbols and then the symbols you have you can take different actions and he's trying to remove these sloth cubes to wake up and once he's awake he can then ascend from the cave and um, go out so you're trying to he's trying to remove these cubes the goblins are trying to like build up their tribes to like go out and kind of stealthily creep around the cave and attack the knight and they're doing that through a, a, a series of like different things. You're drawing monsters. You're like balancing your population. You're doing all kinds of stuff. And the knight, the knight was running around trying to again kill the dragon. But he's doing that by questing through the cave. So your typical kind of knight role. He's questing through the cave, and each time he does something, he's gaining experience. And these experience points are giving him action cubes. And then at the beginning of his turn. He's allocating these action cubes to his strength, his perception, and his movement to kind of finagle what he can do on that turn. So, like, the stronger he is, he needs to be a certain strength to, like, attack the dragon. He needs a certain amount of movement points to move there. So, he's got this little um, action point allowance move, you know, management uh, system he's playing with. And he's getting other things. So, it was really cool. Um, the way it does and like I said the cave whenever someone explores a tile the cave has a hand of cave tiles and he gets to select the tiles that get placed face down 
when someone collects treasure, the cave gets to pick which treasure they get. Like it's it's kind of funny um, how it all works. So like I said, each roll has the completely different ace. This must have been a nightmare to balance <laughs> as far as design is concerned. But hats off to them. It was a really fun time. I played the goblins yesterday. I'm going to say the goblins are my least favorite. They just frustrated me beyond belief because they're res- they're so restrictive, but it's thematically appropriate. Um, but they just like I'm just seeing Smee like go around. He's getting all this cool treasure and stuff, and my goblins are like going out attacking, and then they scatter and they run away. And I'm like, ah, oh, stop doing that! I need to get back on the board. Um, but yeah, so they're my least favorite, but they're still interesting. Like they're still fun to play. Um, the dragon was cool. Like I said, the cave is probably my favorite. The cave is just—it's just so different. It's like, just such an off-the-wall concept it in is. general. It really is, and the art has got this really cool, like cartoony style to it. Um, it's got like a gritty cartoon. I'm trying to think of a comic that it compares to, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. But it's a nice art style. I really liked it. Um, a lot of fun. It's like if He-Man were cute. Uh, sure. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah, I guess you don't like that. I don't know. You don't like that eight-pack abs coming from that He-Man guy. <laughs> No, his big old sword. I loved He-Man when I was growing up. My one, my babysitter's son had like the castle and all the action figures. Yep. We would play with those for hours. So you don't dig a guy who wears headbands? Why don't you wear a headband to Gen Con? We'll Done. find out. I will wear a headband to Gen Con. <laughs> I don't have one, but I'll find one. All right, good. And I'll get a wig to go under it. Back to back. Anyway, so back to vast. So <laughs> yeah, this one is going to be. Uh, debuting at Gen Con. I think it's going to retail for 50 bucks. Highly recommend you stop by and give it a play. Uh, my my one concern, and it's not really a concern, but because it's so asymmetric, there is a, a bit of a, a teaching curve to it. Because once you sit down and you see the roles being played, I guess it, if you go to play... Like, like, I saw Ben play the dragon yesterday, but if I sat down to play the dragon, I'd have to learn kind of all the abilities that Ben learned Right, that it's like game. a space cadets type problem. Yeah, in a way. It's like it's the different stations and you have to learn them. Um, so that's a really good uh, analogy. Kudos, Tiff. I applaud you. Um, I won't clap because it's probably not good radio and it doesn't sound good, but I'm phantom clapping. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Dan. So, yeah, what Tiff said. And I found like the rule book. The rule book's really good. What's nice is they give you full sheet player aids, which are literally front and front and back but it's literally everything that's in the rule book so the rule book each each faction has two pages in the rule book so this player aid basically just separates it so you can give each person it and um we found that there's there's some things missing um they're starting an faq on the the geek obviously there's probably going to be more and more as people start to get their copies etc right now i think it's just some questions from reviewers etc patrick's been great to work with as far as communication any questions we've had i have a question yeah what's up the playtime on this says it's 75 minutes is that accurate um not not anywhere near that in your first couple plays because it's like i said each role you're learning in a completely different rule set so longer than that so yeah i think our play yesterday came in at around two hours but that caveat that that was a lot of rules look up a lot sure. of bgg searching to see if we could find certain uh questions that we had right and anytime you play a game for the first time, you might as well just add an hour onto the playtime, I feel like. Yeah, I would agree with that. Game. And this one especially. But like I said, it's just because you're learning the individual roles. Now, now if I like I said, I, if I sit down to play the dragon or the knight like we played yesterday or 
the go- I know the goblins now in the cave, but if I sat down to play the dragon of the night, which I haven't played yet personally, I would know the basis of the me- mechanisms. Like I know that the dragon's drawing cards equal to this and he's playing these cards. I just have to learn the, the actions themselves. He's got like 12 abilities that he can use these cards to play towards. Um, same goes for the knight. The knight has treasure and side quests. I just have to learn those. Once you see the base mechanisms in play, probably by your third or fourth game, you'll be it'll be smooth sailing. I could see it coming in quickly. Okay. Uh, I, I'd say probably an hour and a half is fair. I think it's seventy-five to ninety on the box. I would I would definitely lean ninety for the probably the four three or four player game. Alrighty. So check that out. Uh, Letter games. I uh, don't have the booth number off the top of my head. I apologize. I'll put it in the show notes though. Uh, stop by and check it out. Really good guys and a, and a really cool design concept. I think you'll I think you'll be impressed with it. Anything else you've been playing? Yeah, I guess I could get into because I haven't been. Yeah, I'll get into I'll get into one more since we're running a bit long on this. Sorry, everyone. Um, I played Coldwater Crown. Um, this is a game. It's currently funding on Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys covered this in the last Kickstarter or not. Um, this is a game... I feel like we've talked about it at some point, but not in detail. You might have. I, I finally got a play of it. And uh, this is a game about competitive fishing. So a theme I that, love that is theme. different. Which I really... <laughs> that was my first draw to it. Um, if you check out the Kickstarter page, you'll also be drawn into the art. The art is done by Beth Sobel, who did uh, Lanterns as well as World's Fair. So she's got a really nice style. The board is beautiful. It's like this cascading river, like peninsula looking thing. So what you're basically doing is you are, you're puzzling out how to time your fishing. So it's got this really unique worker placement mechanic, which is just slick as all hell. Uh, Basically, you have a token. On this token, there is a one. And on the backside, there is a two. And on the board, there are... Um, I forget how many spaces there are. There's a space for every colored gem that's in the bag. So there's drawing out of a bag, Tiff, which you love. And then there's a space for the, I forget what it's called, the docks, I think is what it's called. So what you're going to do on your turn, simple. You're going to take that token and you're going to place it on one of the open spaces, okay? You're going to take that action and then you're going to, for your second part of your turn, you're going to remove a token on the board that was not the one you already placed and you're going to take that action. Turns over. That's how it is. Now, the the cool catch here is that, like I mentioned, there's a one and a two. So when you place a token with the one side face up, so you can't flip it. Once it's in your tableau, it stays on the one or the two, okay? And I'll explain that in a second. But if you place it with a one, you get to take that action using a power one. So when you place it on one of the colors, you have a player board that has four little sections to your tackle box, okay? They're numbered three, four, five, and six. And that's how many gems are going to start in each of those. And gems are considered, I believe gems are bait in this game. So in the three, there's three gems. And they're of, I think it was eight different colors, uh, seven or eight different colors. So let's say I had, like, I had all four of my tackle box spaces and I had black cubes in all of them. If I take my one token and I place it on the black space, I get to remove one black gem from each of my available tackle box spaces, okay? Those black gems are either going to go to the middle of the table for like to create the discard pile or they're going to be placed on these like they're kind of like they're called master reeler cards or master fisherman cards. Basically like a set uh, a, you're trying to collect a set of gems on these cards to collect sets. Um so that's that. Now, if I had placed it with two side face up, I could take two black gems off of each thing. And what you're trying to do with that is you're trying to puzzle out when 
and how you want to take these gems off because when you remove the last gem from a space okay whatever the color of that gem is you're going to look on the board there's three sections of the board each section relates to two colors yeah so maybe there's only six colors in the game either way the gist is so whatever i remove so if i remove the last black cube or gem from my three space tackle box i'm going to look at the black area and in the black area, there's a three, four, five, and six fish, okay? And I'm going to select that fish in the three, that the black three, okay? So when you're removing the gems, you're trying to puzzle out getting the appropriate sections because you're want, you want to collect different fish. You don't want to always want to collect the black fish, for instance, okay? And then what you're going to do there is you're going to collect the fish, and each fish has a weight range on the front of it, okay? And then each section, there's, I think, three different fish. So if I went to collect a perch and it was range three to seven pounds, I collect that perch and underneath it, secretly I look and see how big the fish was I caught. It's either three, four, five, six, or seven, okay? At the end of the game, what you're gonna do is once, the, every, once someone's caught 12 fish, it triggers the last round. Then what you're gonna do is you're gonna look at each of those sections. Each of those sections, you're gonna be awarded a trophy for that part of the river. And what you're going to do is you're able to turn in your best fish in each species from that section. So if I caught four perch and I got the three, four, five, and six, I'm going to turn in my six because it's my best one. The person who turned in the most is going to get the VP token for five points, second most three, so on and so forth. Okay. So for each section, you're trying to collect fish. In. Um, so simple, really fun. Uh, it's just a slick game. I um, And I, I skipped over this part in the worker placement, but so when you when you withdraw a token from the board so let's say i withdrew a token that's on the green one i take it off the green one i remove one green token from all of my player board and then i flip the token to the two side in my tableau so on my next turn i get to place a two so there's this there's this slight little uh, element of decision in like okay i could place this one down someone else could then take it for a two i could place my two it becomes a one like there's it's just a little back and forth there it's very minute but it's just it gives a little bit of tension in the decision making which is kind of cool but overall this game is just yeah i keep saying slick but that's i can't i can't think of a better word to describe it it's just streamlined it's smooth turns are quick played in less than an hour and it was just it was kind of fun like you know yeah, the fish are like the ran like the randomness of the fish. I lost out on a couple of my fish things. But at the end of the game, I think the score was 30, 30, 28. So it was a tight game. I think it's running on Kickstarter now for like 40 bucks or something like 44. that. 44. 44 with shipping included. Uh, it hasn't funded, and I'm, I'm really baffled by that. I, I think the theme maybe is hurting it in a way. But gameplay, really cool. If you've played Paradox, I'm not sure if any listeners out there have played Paradox, it's the same designer. So you're getting that cool kind of puzzly aspect that was in Paradox, but in this really kind of compact, really good package from Bellwether Games. Um, I, I recommend Dan, checking it out. Can you hear me typing? Are you backing it? That's the sound of me backing this game I right think now. you should. I backed it as soon as I played it yesterday. We're going to have a preview up on the site on Tuesday, a written preview. Be sure to check that out. And then, yeah, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend checking it out at least. Uh, give it a chance. Watch some of the videos. See if it's for you. But it's a, if you like worker placement, you like fishing, I mean, you don't have to like fishing at all. I'm not a huge fisher. But I, I had fun with the theme. I thought it was just a – it was a game that just – it was a feel-good game. I, I just thought it was fun. See, people, Dan likes games. Look at how much fun he's having fishing in cardboard form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fishing. 
Well, it sounds really good, and it looks great, and it's it's like it has all the TIFF requirements. Yeah, it's got bag draw, it's got worker placement, and it's got like short player time, short turns. Yeah, it fits TIFF. Bam. Boom. Backed. Done. And it's like, you know, here's the thing that I'm happy to back a game like this, because it's it needs like help. close. It needs help. It's not like overfunded by 20000 bajillion dollars, and it looks genuinely good. And it's better than Scythe. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, you still have time to back it because hopefully we'll get this posted up before we leave for Gen Con and it is going until August 9th, which is yeah. Tuesday. So you got like nine days left, I think, as of us recording this. Probably like four or five as of us posting this, yep. though. So, so check it get out. Get on it. Uh, I think. I think all of us here at the league, everyone who's played it, even Smee really enjoys it. Um, Matt is backing it. Yep. So listen, guys. Dan and Matt like this game. You know what that means. That means... It's a win. Check it out. <laughs> all right. So we've been rambling on for a little bit now. Let's You've just, been rambling. Yeah, on. I've been rambling. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't talked in a while. I haven't had anyone to talk to, except for my two-year-old. Um, it's okay. So let's just jump into top of the stack, because that's what we do. We jump. So Tiff, we'll start with you. So for July, you had mm-hmm. Hansa Teutonica, Agility, Back to the Future, and Dead Last. How did you do? I got three out of the four. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I played I played Hansa, I played Back to the Future, and I played Dead Last a couple of times. The only one I didn't get to is Agility, because it's kind of tricky for me to get a two-player game going. Yeah. I wish it wasn't so tricky, but yeah, I it's sitting on the table waiting to be played. I just, with camp and everything, didn't get a chance to. That's fair. Plus, you live dog agility. That's basically what you do. <laughs> Like stroller dog agility. Yes, exactly. I could see you setting up a cone course in like a parking lot. My dog Zeke could do it too. He is like. No, I think you would push him through it with the the stroller. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, that would require me going outside. You start like a dog stroller derby league. Derby? (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know what? That's a good theme for a game. You're welcome, Dan. Yeah, I'm not going to make it. I don't know. I don't even know what a dog stroller (laughs) looks like. I'm still waiting for these pictures. (laughs) Can you bring it and push me around Gen Con in it? You would not fit into it. Oh. A bit like it wouldn't even be good for like a baby. Like it's not very big. I mean, I guess you could fit a baby in it. Babies are pretty small. I don't hold babies or look at babies, so I wouldn't know, but I'm pretty sure you could fit a baby. I just want someone to pull or carry me through Gen Con. (laughs) It's just (laughs) We could get like a rickshaw situation. We should. We should rent a rickshaw. That would be good. We used to rent those in um when I used to travel to Singapore and we my coworker and I we We'd give the guys a little extra if they'd race us back to the hotel. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. It was, actually. Um, <laughs> terrifying at times because those guys would go up on like two wheels and they only have three. It was uh, it's kind of freaky, but a lot of fun. They, they enjoyed That's it, too. So. Dedication, too. Yeah. All right. So what's up for, what are we in August now? What's up for August? Well, I'm going to keep agility. Okay. Because I do want to play that. Yeah, you want to keep, keep agile. Yes, and I uh, got Star Trek Panic, and I haven't played it yet, so I want to play that. And for my third game, I don't know. I want it to be one of my Gen Con games, but I haven't bought any Gen Con games yet. Yeah. Well, sort of. I kind of cheated a little bit. I bought Codenames Pictures. That's it. I I pre-ordered some things. So I don't think... 
this is the way I'm looking at it, and you can call me out for cheating on this, but I don't consider that me buying it at Gen Con. <laughs> How many games were you able to pre-order? Because I didn't know there were that many. Two. I, I pre-ordered Ice Cool as well. Ah, you should. We'll talk off air on that one. Dan, we might, you're making me nervous. We might have a review copy. So you might not. Oh. <laughs> what the hell? I'm supposed All right. to. Yeah, we'll talk later. All right, we'll talk later then. Um, yeah. So let's say, let's say, oh, geez, it's too tough. Just pick a game, any game. We'll say Codename Pictures then, because I know I'll have that from Gen Con. Codename Pictures, Agility. All right, that's a light one, Tiff. You should be able to finish this one. I hope so. Well, I mean, keep in mind, August is when school starts. That's true. And I also am starting my master's degree here, so I'm a busy lady. I don't need excuses from you right now. I need games played, <laughs> Tiff. This is a board gaming podcast. This isn't a podcast about excuses. I will try to do better, Dan. Thank you. No, I'm kidding. Anyways. How about you? So I had four games on mine as well. I had Council of Four, Super Motherload, Bear Valley, and Pyratoons. And I did all four. As of last night, I finally got in Council of Four. As of this recording, it's still July, and it still counts. Um, played Super Motherload twice, actually, and I played Bear Valley three times. So, I, I, yeah, I was an overachiever this month, actually. I'm proud of you. Um, and I liked, I liked all four of them to various degrees. Do we know if Matt played all of his? So, Matt had Deluvia Project. He did not play. Uh, Blood Rage, he did play. And I can't wait to hear his thoughts on it because we watched him play it last weekend for the first time. And he was so pissed off during the game. (laughs) (laughs) So perfect. we'll see if he actually will talk about it in a negative light or not. It'll be fun to hear. Uh, Motainai, I don't know if he played. Bear Valley, I know he played. And I don't know about A Few Acres of Snow, but I don't recall seeing a picture of it. Remember, pictures are what count. So Mm, going off pictures. I don't go by that rule. Going off that rule, he only played two that I know of. So I think he said he was going to play A Few Acres of Snow with Ben because it's two players. I think he did. And that game day, they didn't play it, though. Oh, okay. All right. All right. um, I tried, Matt. I think he can come on in a couple of weeks and say otherwise but i believe he only did two out of five and on this show that's failure so my question is you're gonna say what your your top of the stack for august is is it is it gonna be the same top of the stack for matt so you can make sure you get all yours played it sure as hell is (laughs) (laughs) genius evil genius yep i'm not i'm not all about that oh let's throw a bunch of games he doesn't like on there nope I'm putting every game that's on my list. So there is a unified cause. <laughs> it's smart. So for mine and Matt's, Helvetia. This is a Matthias Kramer game that's out of print that I scored following the Brexit. <laughs> I say that because <laughs> like the day after it, some guy listed this on BGG for 20 bucks, And I was like, yes, please. Even with shipping, I got it for like 40 and on BGG, like the US available copies go for like 100 plus. So thank you to the UK for freaking this guy out enough to sell me his Helvetia. So that's on there. And it's Matthias Kramer. Like this continues my journey into what may possibly be my favorite designer now. Um, he may have supplanted Bowser. Because I just wow, love Wow, that is. I love his stuff. I mean, Bowser has like my favorite game. Like Seven Wonders is so, oh, so good. Um, I played Duel again the other day, and it was great. It's still I still great. haven't played oh, that. It's so good. 
Um, there's an expansion coming too. My second game, and I know Matt won't care about this because I know he wants to play it, and that's Arkwright. This is the mm. heavy, heavy, heavy game. Literally and physically heavy game. It took me an hour to punch this thing and sort it. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's from Capstone Games. I picked that up at Origins, and it's just... It's been staring at me and just scaring the bejesus out of me. So I want to get into that. And then oh, what do I want to do for my third game? Do something fun, Dan. That's, I don't know about that. No fun for Dan. <laughs> you heard it here. No, it's not that it's not fun. I, well, these are all fun for me because they're all heavy euros. No, I mean real fun. Not like I'm going to sit down and fill out this spreadsheet fun. Okay. No, I'm not going to put any Gen Con games because that's. I just, yeah, I'm not going to do that because I don't know what I'll do at Gen Con and I don't want to rope myself into something. Well, you said you pre, didn't you say you got codename pictures? I have codename pictures, but eh, I'll probably play like 75 <laughs> times before next Sunday. That's the point. Yeah, but I'm not going to. It's yeah. an easy one. Yeah, I don't need the easy ones, Tiff. I go for a challenge. I completed You don't need mine. the easy ones because you're forcing your brother to play all the games with you. I completed mine honest. last month. Let's let's Out of the three of us, I completed mine last month. So I'm going for the challenge. Out you of the guys, three of us, you have more friends. I don't have any <laughs> friends up here. Um, Bullshit. All right, I don't know. Let's go. I'm going to stick. Let's stick my new copy of New Bedford on there. Okay. I, That's like, legit. I've played that a, a ton already, but I want to see the new stuff that's in there, the promos, all that good stuff. I wish I would have thought of that because I just got that too. It looks good. I was surprised. I forgot it was coming in that compounded size box, whatever that is, the monkey or the... Still in the shipping box for rooster me. Rooster or the... I don't know what, what animal it is, but it's a small box and it's a lot of game in that little box. Um, so yeah, let's go with that. Helvetia, Arkwright, New Bedford. I'm going to go with those three. Oh, fine. Fourth. I'll put a Gen Con game on there. Fourth. But I have to get it. Save the cupcake. That sounds interesting. Well, it's, let's. It's the first. Wait, game wait, 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 wait. <laughs> let's take a break. Yes. And then when we come back, we'll talk about Save the Cupcake and other Gen Con picks. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Now we are going to um, bore you with Tiffany's picks for Gen Con after already hearing Matt's picks. Um, I personally did not finish that podcast episode, so I don't know what Ouch. Matt picked. I, I started it. I, that's I was a, on that podcast, Dan. I know you were, but I started it, but my commute was shorter than that the hurts podcast. My heart. And I that didn't hurts finish my heart. it. That's okay. So we shall see how we line up. You listeners can tell us because I don't know what Matt said. So <laughs> Tiff does, though. <laughs> oh, well, I don't think any of us are going to line up with Matt. Matt's was very trashy. Yeah, Matt's was like FFG this, FFG that, FFG this, no. plaid hat that, plaid hat FFG. Not quite. No, I'm kidding. There was one plaid hat on there, so, you know. Well, that's on everyone's list. Not mine. That's because we've already established you don't have any friends. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're hateful. I'm not hateful. Spiteful. You have been so spiteful. I'm not. Give us a game, Tiff. Ladies first. Ladies first. Well, I have like categories of games that I'm checking out at Gen Con. So I have a category of like what I actually want to probably buy slash I already have via pre-order. 
I have a whole big list of stuff that I've already played, either like, you know, through Unpub or it's just an expansion to a game I already have. So I have a list of those. And then I have a list of just like oddball things that caught my eye and I want to check out. So I'll start with one that I'm actually considering buying, and that's Dream Home. Dream Home. It's that's I think that's only for demo. Is it? Yeah. Well, I'll demo it then. I here's how I pick my games, and I'll be honest. I don't. I turn off all the comments on the list, and I turn off all the other information. So I go titles only, and I pick what I'm interested in mm-hmm. based on the title. It helps me not pick as much stuff, and yeah, if you can't title your game well. Sorry about it. You could get so. the Polish version currently, but I believe the English edition is an Essen release um, with demo at Gen Con. Maybe I need to start over since my first pick isn't even a Gen Con game. Well, we'll just chalk it up to failure and you can just pick yourself up from it. <laughs> well, I already <laughs> spoiled the two <laughs> that I pre-ordered. So Codenames Pictures and Ice Cool. I mean, Ice Cool is a dexterity game. Yeah, Ice Cool is on my list. That one looks really funny. I need that. I need it. It's so di- it's different, though, than all the other dexterity games that I have. Yeah. And I can't always say that because it has the little, like, weeble wobble guys. Yeah, the penguins that, like, around. arc through. Yeah, that's on my list. I agree with that one. Okay. Here's one that you'll agree with. How about Oceanos? Uh, Oceanos is a buy for sure. It's going to be limited quantity from what I understand. I think yellow is only going to have like two or 300 copies of it. So I'm hoping I get my press badge and I get in there and I grab this one because it's Bowser and it's drafting and that's all that needs to be said. I agree. That's how I felt. And it's beautiful looking. Well, and I love a good underwater theme. Yeah. There, there aren't a whole lot of games that have that going on. There's Abyss, and then, yeah. There's Abyss, then we'll there's on. Aquasphere, a lot of Matt games. Yes, Matt likes the underwater theme, but... <laughs> Matt had a lot of nautical games on his yeah. list this year. I saw this one, this one, I saw Oceanos at the New York Toy Fair when I met with the Yellow Guys, and yeah, it, it looks really nice. They didn't have a copy to demo for me, but they kind of walked me through it. It's kind of this unique, I think it's set over like three stages three turns each turn is like a a different level of the ocean you're trying to like collect things and upgrade your submarine and do a couple of things so bowser drafting it can't go wrong sold yeah so what's on your buy list here um so you just covered that one i think i've got a couple that i'm in between so we just mentioned let's we'll talk about save the cupcake that i'm picking up (laughs) this is a 12 dollar game from asmati Um, It's a two-player, and basically one person is trying to roll things down a hill to crush a cupcake, and the other player is trying to hide the cupcake so it doesn't get crushed. It sounds phenomenally awkward, and I can't wait to play it. (laughs) It sounds like a TIFF game, honestly, but I couldn't find any pictures of what that looks like. Well, it's Asmati, so it's probably going to be like stick figures on white cards. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm worried about. Theme sounds awesome, but how is it executed? I, think, I, I I hope you buy it. Yeah, I'm going to buy so it. So I can see. I think, and I might be wrong on this, but I think this is, they're doing like what they did with Red 7 with this one. Like this is like a beta release that they're hoping people will play. They'll iron some things out and then they're going to release it for real in the next couple mm. months kind of thing. So kind of like they did with Red 7 at Gen Con, what, two years ago? Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. For 12 bucks, um, it's worth a shot for me. For your 12 bucks, it's definitely worth well, a shot. We'll play it. All right. So that was that. Let's talk. Um, there's a Matthias Kramer, Fight for Olympus. It's a two-player 
um, game from Mayfair. I won't go too much into that, but it's Matthias Matt Kramer. Matt talked about that. So I will likely buy that. Maybe. Two-player games like you, I don't get them played all that often, but I still like to have everything that designer does. So, um, How about Covert? This one's on my list to check out and or maybe buy. I was. This is from uh, Kane Klenko, guy who did Fuse and um, that pirate co-op game from Minion Games. I can't think of it. Dead Man Tell No Tales, I think is the name of it. Oh, yeah. Fuse. He's that. done... Um, a couple of games so he's he's been pretty hot as far as publishing is concerned this is a game of dice worker placement and the theme is you are like spies in like i don't know the 1950s 60s just kind of traversing the board and you can it, it seems like it has a placement mechanism similar to what we've seen in the past with like alien frontiers marker polo where you like you place die down but you have to place like higher or a bigger set kind of thing so i want to check it out i want to see how it kind of differs from those games um so this is on my this is on my if it's cool i will buy list <laughs> right um i really well, like the cover art for it too i thought it really kind of was a, a nice nice image I looked at it, but then I was like, oh, with this theme, Dan, this is going to be on Dan's list. So I'll I'll wait for him to check it out. I think that, I forget who's publishing that. I think it's Renegade. Yeah, it's Renegade is publishing that. Um, and then I'll throw one more out to you because I'm sure this caught your eye from Renegade as well. It's called Lotus. Matt talked about it. It's beautiful. Yep. But um, I don't know anything about the gameplay. No, I don't need to. That's, I'm buying it. <laughs> like that game looks gorgeous. And it's like the Japanese theme stuff that I love. So, boom. Yeah. Um, For me, I... See, now I'm worried that some of my things aren't actually going to be there. Because I I really don't keep up with that. How about Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu? That will be there. (laughs) I thought it would be. Uh, I looked at the release dates for most of these. But anyway, yeah. I mean, it's Pandemic, it's Cthulhu. What more do I have to say? That's me. Well, you could say nothing because it sucks, but... I love I love this concept. I love it. I I know that it seems like a quick cash grab, and that's fine. It can huh. be a quick cash grab. If you it looks if good. you buy it, I will play it, and then oh, I will crap on it in the next episode. That, that will make my life. <laughs> I would love to play a Cthulhu game with you, Dan. Uh, uh, oh. There was actually a Cthulhu game I thought looked interesting on the list, but it was like loosely. It was like baby cthulhu's or something like it was like loosely cthulhu it wasn't like hardcore mythos but i forget what it's called (laughs) well and that's not the other there's another game that's doing that uh tides of madness oh instead of tides of time yeah that's okay (laughs) i mean that game was good tides of time was good i like tides of time it just got stale real quick right it's not ultra replayable but i use it in my game club to do drafting yeah with kids but um yeah so that's definitely on my list you know how i feel about pandemic it's very near and dear to my heart and i can't do these legacy games but i can definitely get into some cthulhu version of it yeah another game another game that's on my list is one that we played together oh. and that's potion explosion oh yeah i uh, you've got a different audience than me i have no need for that in my collection but i could see that being fun with your kids no sure. that's exactly why i would be buying it yeah. i on the table looks amazing and the concept of it is novel yeah but i think it'd be good for the kids i do yeah no i agree that's i don't play with a lot of younger people so i I think the novelty would wear quick as it it pretty much did after the first play i think 
Um, yeah, I think for us, the novelty of something wears off a lot quicker than it does for my kids. You know, yeah, no, no, I'm sure like, they'll love it because it it ties into their like cell phone lives and like it's <laughs> it's tactile. Like you can feel the little marbles and you can roll them in your hand and do things with them. And what the hell, Dan? What game are you playing? Marble rolling. A, okay, all right. <laughs> what did you think I was doing? Like a prostate exam? I, it sounded a little bit I guess, like that. Yeah. Well, listeners, you you dream up what you like. Moving on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you want me to talk about more? You got some to talk. I've about. got a few more. Yeah. So um, one that I'm looking forward to that I don't know if it'll be a buy, but I think a lot of these I, I'm just okay waiting on. There's nothing that there's a few games that I'm like I want, and then a bunch of these are like you know what I'll wait. I don't need these until September because I'm not going to play them until September. Um, I feel that way too. And I mentioned this on the last podcast. I was considering, still considering, only buying one single big box game at Gen Con this year, kind of limiting myself. Yeah, I'm I'm buying what will fit in my suitcase and that's it. And I mean, I'm going to (laughs) bring my suitcase. You could probably fit a lot of games in your suitcase, right? If they were smaller box games. Not like what I've done in years past, but I could probably fit six or seven boxes, probably like decent sized boxes, but I don't think I'm going to buy that many. Um, This game is called Imagine. It's from Game Right. It is, it uses transparent cards with these different like shapes and images on them. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get people to guess your clue. So it's a, it's a party game, but you're taking these thing, the, um, sorry, the plastic cards and you can like overlap them to create like these different images. So if you had like a circle and a triangle, you could like put the triangle on top of the circle and it could guess clown or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, and you can use these different shapes to kind of manipulate how they lay on the cards to like paint the picture you're trying to get. I thought it was a cool little concept for a party game, and I'm I'm in the mood for something. I mean, I did pre-order Codename Pictures, but that's just to kind of have it because I know my friends and everyone want to play it. But I think this could be this could be a new party game for for this con. I think it'll be a big hit. Well, and Gen Con really is the time to get some party games going for sure. Yeah, and it's game right, so it's it's going to be a nice production. Like I said, it's those see-through plastic cards like Gloom. So right. Yeah. That seems to be a big thing nowadays. Yeah. And then I guess, well, let's get to the big boys on the list. Um, what are your big boys? Legendary Firefly. Yes. I'm going to hold off on buying that. I already talked about it, but you go ahead. I want to I want to see it. I don't know if I want to buy it, um, but I want to I wanna definitely see it, obviously. I'm curious to see the art style that they use. I wonder if they're going with like the comic book or not. I haven't done much research on it, so maybe they are. So if someone knows, let me know. Um and then Terraforming Mars, that's probably the one game I want to walk away with. Um, and even that, I'm okay pre-ordering from Stronghold and getting it two weeks later. So I really am not, like, this is going to be a con of me just probably doing spontaneous purchases. Like, I'm not set on, like, this is just, like, my map. And then I've got a whole bunch of other ones that I want to try. I think that's the best way to do it, honestly. Like, I love going to a con and discovering things, Um Because if you go in with a big list of things that you must buy, it feels like a job. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't I don't want to be hunting a ton of things. Um, So I I like the idea of just kind of walking through casually, especially in like the um, you got like some of the indie publishers that a bunch of games you might not have heard of, you know, not the pandemic Cthulhu's of the world kind of thing or the sea falls, which I'm really interested in. But 
One I really want that I actually uh, I had in my hands when I was in Europe and I put down because I ran out of space in my suitcase um, is called Echo or Eco. This is oh the Eko. Yeah, it's a really beautiful looking abstract game. If if you can imagine that about kind of board control and movement around the board, it's a really slick looking game. Uh, slick is my this this podcast is brought to you by the word slick. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I think my vocabulary. If you would have heard me reading a rule book yesterday, like you would have thought I was having a stroke. I'm just, I'm so burned out from work. Like I can't read, I can't write, I can't speak. I'm just the. I can attest that you have been working a lot. Um. Okay. Those are the big guys. I see. I don't think I have any of those things on my list. You know, I'm not into that sort of thing. Yeah. But. I want to check out Saloon Tycoon. I played a prototype of that a long time ago and thought it was too mean for my group, but you know I love a good Western. <laughs> yeah, That's I saw that. Band Rider games. I saw that at Origins. It looked nice, the production copy. Yeah, I think all of it looks nice, so I kind of just want to check it out in person. Same thing goes for Cosmic Kaboom. I don't know if it's coming out. I couldn't tell. I think they're going to have... I know they're at least going to have demos of it. I don't know if they're going to have a limited release of it or not. I hope so, because that is one game that, that I would break my one box rule for, probably. Yeah, and you could put I really that in your like pocket. <laughs> it's small. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. Well, and that's it. Maybe I'm just like, I don't know. The, the smaller games are what is going to kill me. And there are little expansions, like Specters of Nevermore is coming out at Gen Con. It's just a little expansion for Nevermore, which I like. Shakespeare. And... Shakespeare, yes, I have that on my list too. I don't need that at Gen Con, but it is definitely, I'm going to buy it eventually. Yeah. So if I see it at Gen Con, I probably will pick it up. So listeners, this is basically a segment about games that we don't really need, but we thought we would talk about. Um, yeah. All right. I, there, you know, I feel like more and more, and the more I game, the less I really need to buy at a convention, you know? I agree. It's just, it's the rush, I think, is what it is. But if you can kind of ground yourself in a bit of reality and realize that these games will be $20, $30 cheaper in two weeks, like, it's, you know. And I think there's, I, I don't know, maybe it's just, like, my patience level is getting a little bit better as I age, but it feels like all of this stuff comes out sooner like you're waiting for less time yeah, a lot after of them, the convention yeah a lot of them are trying to kind of cater to those folks that can't make it so they're doing simultaneous or near convention releases which is nice which i think is nice yeah yeah so like and I, i've after like origins and like the last couple of conventions bgg like i realized that everything i buy at a convention just sits in a stack until it gets yes. played so like what's the point in spending all the money the games aren't going anywhere um and there's well, very rarely that. like limited quantities of anything, unless it's like a Japanese game or something like that, which I have on my try list. I have one. But... Right. Well, I have like, you know, so many times I look back and I'm like, it took me a year to play through my Gen Con stack. Yeah. A year. Like, yeah. look at Champions of Midgard. That was the like number one game on my list from last year. I, I stood in line. That was the thing that I ran for. And I didn't play it until like eight months later. Yep. It just, it's not worth stressing yourself out. So. Nope. I agree. Um, I'm going to play it fast and loose and let my heart do the choosing. Yeah. So <laughs> just a couple of quick hits. These are ones I, oh. these are ones I want to just kind of look at. And not all of these are available for purchase either. So uh, Rising Five Runes of Asteros. Um, 
this game, I forget the publisher. Ugh, I can't even remember which game this is, to be honest with you. I know I just liked it. You just it. have a list. I have a list, but it's the only one I can't remember what it's about. <laughs> I know it's an Essen release, and I really, really was interested in it because it's the top of my try list. But I have a question. Do you know anything about Car- Carotia? It's about rabbits no. and building a maze cooperatively. No. I couldn't. I didn't go into the list to see if it is coming out or if it's a demo. I think it's a demo, but that's one I want to check out. It has bunnies. Yeah, I probably skip right over that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why, Dan. Bunnies. Yeah. Um, let's see. Great Dinosaur Rush. I want to check. I want to demo that because um, I love dinosaurs. And this is a really kind of cool concept of like physically building out the skeletons with little sticks. Um, and I love the theme about the Dinosaur Rush. Uh, Sakura Arms. That is the Japanese game. This is from Baka Fire. It's just a small little two-player. It's like called a mini deck building game. Ugh. Basically, there's like these... these um, goddesses and you each pick one or two of them and you show each other you reveal them and then you have like a you have like 22 cards to choose from and you pick 10 of them to build your deck and then you just duel each other using it so it sounded kind of cool um creo this was a this is a cool mini or not co-op game about like building the universe little card small box game similar to the size of the grizzled um wanted to check out Adrenaline, that's the first-person shooter from Czech Games, which is supposed to be Euro, which sounds awesome. Euro first-person shooter doesn't really jive in my brain. But it's supposed to be, like, tense and fun, too. So I'm, I'm really curious to see this one. Um, Sagrada, which is a game about, it's a, I think it's a dice drafting game about making stained glass windows. <laughs> it's from uh, Daryl Andrews and another gentleman I forget off the top of my head, but this is coming from, oh, crap. The guys who brought us Epic Resort. Uh, what's the name? Oh. What's the name of that publishing company? Um, Floodgate? Floodgate. Correct. Um, and the last one you're going to laugh, I really want to look at, is Star Trek Ascendancy. Aww. I just want to see what Gale Force 9... I, I'll look at anything they do. So. I do want to check that out. I... I... <laughs> can't see my group playing it but i want to look at it i also want to look at the last friday matt brought that up yeah that one looks kind of cool that um that's like the one the guy playing the murderer and there's like the four phases of like where you're like chasing you're running you kill him and then he dies and comes back or something like that right it it follows like the whole friday the the slasher thing yeah slasher arc and i love those movies and it was not on my radar until Matt brought it up, so I backed mix mixtape massacre. So nice. <laughs> I don't that's know if a, I need that's a local two game. of those games. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. I got it, but uh, I love that theme, so I'll probably check that out too. I mean, I said when I looked at the list that there weren't that many games, but we just listed off a pretty decent amount of games. Yeah, and I think again, most of those. I don't think there's anything other than Oceanos. I think that's my number one purchase. Um, yeah. Well, if you're going to be waiting in line, maybe I'll just yeah. have you buy me one. I think that's my number one purchase. Like, I don't need any of these other ones. And the, the fact is we hang out with a lot of acquisition-disordered people, so they'll probably oh, yeah. buy stuff. We can probably play it and then pick it up Sunday if it's a you know something we're dying to have. So Yeah, I'm happy with keeping it to a minimum this year, not carrying around as much stuff. All right, let's do a pack then, Tiff. We keep... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it reasonable. Let's say okay. each of us does not buy more than ten games, regardless of size. I can do that. All right, for sure. Let's uh, 
We say that, and then we always walk home with like twenty six. <laughs> well, I was I was said like usually I'm coming home with like fifteen games bare minimum from Gen Con. So when I I was like I really could just narrow this down to one game. It really did help me make a more compact list, knowing like I'm trying hard not to come home with a lot of games. Yeah. So ten, and I'm not counting. You want to make it even tougher? Oh man. Uh. Can you do eight? Because I think I you're going to... I can do eight. <laughs> Matt said that we're both uh, enablers or something like that. That we, we both impulse buy and we'll encourage each other. Right, was that was that the pot I heard calling the kettle black? <laughs> Mr. <laughs> just picks up like... He's bought like three times as many games as I have in the last month and a half. <laughs> just like I get notifications on his uh, Kickstarter things. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, I feel pretty good about what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, okay, we can... Eight. You want eight? Eight. What happens? Do we have, like, a consequence if we don't follow that pact? No, we just look like jackasses. Okay. Well, you're used to that, so it should be easy for you. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I proudly accept my jackass status. <laughs> well, All right. that's that. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, so apologies for the rambling. We'll probably have... Next time we'll talk Gen Don't Con. Don't apologize. I'm not going to apologize too much. Um, we always have fun. So next show we'll probably do our Gen Con recap. I think it'll be Tiff and I again. We'll probably maybe we'll bring in a special guest or two to help us out, just so you don't have to listen to our drivel for another hour. But we'll see. You don't think we're enticing enough, just the two of us? I think we are. Okay. But we shall see. <laughs> when like two people download this episode yeah it's okay so i'm gonna go okay. through all the little social media crap right now which is fun so you can find us the normal places hey, this stuff is important this stuff is really important so facebook uh backslash the league of nonsensical gamers yeah come follow us there we're we're got a lot of people there email uh podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com our bgg guild is 2077 but i know that's really tough to remember so just go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com and that will redirect you right to the guild uh, we've got a lot of good threads going some interesting topic uh, youtube come see us on youtube our youtube is growing uh thanks to miss tiffany b who is a fiend for being in front of the camera she loves it she's uh, somehow her middle name is basically vain um uh, Tiffany Vane Bonson. She just loves talking to herself. She practices in the mirror. So see what the results are. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I'm kidding. I do practice a little bit. She does bit. practice. But no, check it out. Um, we, we keep promising more content, and we will have more content once all my brothers stop getting married and going on honeymoons, and we can get everything back in order in our shop. So stay tuned for that. Uh, iTunes reviews, please. If you got them, leave them. I know it's tough to get on iTunes, especially a lot of people don't even listen on iTunes. So if you could, it can be a pain, but it helps people find our podcast. It definitely helps people find us. And, um, I've, I've talked to people that have found us through iTunes, which is really kind of cool. So if you can do that, please do. Uh, Instagram is nonsensical gamers, uh, or hashtag nonsensical gamers. If you want your pictures to show up, I think on our website. So we'll see. And then we have Twitter. So, Tiff, where do they find you for the next three days before you go back into your Twitter hiatus? <laughs> I am at ineptgamer. I tweeted a lot this summer, Dan. You should be proud of me. I am very proud of you, but I know as soon as school starts, you'll stop. Maybe. Fact. I'm not making any promises. Fact. All right. Eight games and more than eight tweets next week. 
Done. Done. Okay. <laughs> um, I can be found at, at scandalous underscore nad for my personal account, or if you want to see what the league is up to, I run that account as well. That's at league nonsense. I'll respond on both. And Matt is at stupidly spelled dot com backslash ASG dot no. net PS4. He would be at cinnamon buns. He's at cinnamon buns, spelled stupidly. So basically, you got it. Go find him. And yeah, so we'll be back next week, Tiff and I. A uh, little Gen Con recap and probably something else fun once we put our heads together. As always, if you have any suggestions or anything, just leave them on the guild and we will likely do them because we are lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. So, see you next time, everyone. Bye. Toodles. Toodles.